When is an acreage survey more than an acreage survey? When it's a farm futures survey. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. Farmers are often hit with survey requests, and these days they do show up in the farmer's email inbox. Well, in the past, they might have actually come in the mail. One survey that's been conducted for more than 20 years comes from one of our brand's Farm Futures. This survey, which has a long history of offering independent acreage and planting information to the market, is designed for a lot more. The most recent survey, released in January, shared farmer insights on 2023 planting. But Jacqueline Holland, market analyst for Farm Futures, who conducts the survey, shares other insights gained, including gathering information that can help guide editorial coverage for the brand. Jackie shares some insights on the survey and why it's more than an acreage report. Jacqueline Holland, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Hi, Willie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. I know it's a busy time, lots going on, but uh, one of the things, that, and we released these in the, some numbers from this at the Farm Futures Summit, uh, it's the Farm Futures Survey. I think that's what we always call it. It probably has a bigger name. You could tell me about that. But but let's start there first. What is the Farm Futures Survey? What is it and how long have we done it? I don't think this is a new idea. So we've been doing this survey long before I started taking it over. I think we've been doing it since 2000 or at least the early 2000s. And we survey our farm readers about not about acreage, yields, as well as other economic conditions they may be seeing on their farm. And then we use that to help farmers create better marketing plans and management strategies so that their farms can be more successful. Right. I think one of the key points, obviously, it's look at the shiny thing first is we issue a acreage report, basically a prediction of planted acres, which is what we released in January. I think we do other things related to acreage uh, that gets widely quoted, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Actually, um, I think the the head researcher for the Senate's Agriculture Committee uh, used our numbers in, in the Senate committee's latest acreage forecasts for this upcoming year. I saw today. So, um, gets a lot of traction with that. It usually drives a little bit of price movement in the futures markets as well. So that just goes to show that we've had a really good track record with our survey results. They've aligned really closely with what farmers are thinking, and how USDA's numbers eventually shake out. It is fascinating, and I know that we've been pretty close every year the last four or five, for sure. Over the last 20, I've been here 26 years knowing about this program. It's pretty interesting to see the data that comes out of it. Especially the last few years when we've seen so much market turbulence. You know, when you see more white noise and more volatility in the markets like that, it makes it more difficult to get an accurate forecast. But through all the madness, we've still been able to crank out some pretty reliable figures. And I want to step back for a minute. And when we use the word survey, and I think some people listening to this might cringe a little bit. It's a survey. But the other side of it is this is a valuable tool for farm futures, obviously, but also it's an opportunity for farmers to share in an anonymous way 
things that help us do a better job of even covering the market. And we'll get into that in a moment. But that the survey is anonymous, that it doesn't take a lot of time. And if they fill that out, we're just going to do a better job at Farm Futures, right? Yeah, exactly. And we keep all of our survey information private. So, you know, we're not turning around and selling this data to advertisers. We are keeping it and using it on our editorial staff so that we can stay out ahead of some of these market conditions that farmers are up against. And so we talk about acreage, but one of the other opportunities here, and this is why this survey has added value for editorial, is that we ask questions in the survey that help us guide what we will write about in the next few months or even years, right? I mean, there's questions we ask of readers and that gives us insight into what's going on on their farm. Yes, exactly. Um, in past surveys, uh, back last fall, we surveyed farmers about mental health. I believe it's the American Pediatrics Association has really stressed how important mental health is in some of their recent publications. So it was really kind of great that we were able to tie that into what's going on in rural America. But more recently, we took a deep dive in our January survey to see how inflation is actually impacting farmers. And we got a lot of really valuable feedback there. Across the board, farmers are really struggling with cost hikes everywhere, not just in one specific category. We got to hear from our farmers how that's influencing rent negotiations, forecasting for the upcoming year, um, and just other kinds of ways that they're having to change their management strategies to cope with this inflationary environment. That's interesting because I think a lot of people don't think about some of those factors, but we learned a lot. And you did run a story on this this week, I think, or late mm -hmm. last week, <clears throat> just looking at those those factors. And we'll include a link in the write-up for the podcast. Uh, they can go see that story at uh, farmfutures.com. They can track it down. It'll be in the list, I'm sure. What, when you look at the survey results, do you find most interesting, once you get past the acreage stuff, you get insights as well as a person reading these the survey results, right? Yeah, I do. Um, and there were, you know, there were, there was a lot, we got a lot of feedback in the survey. Um, and there were a lot of things that did surprise me and a lot of things that didn't. We know that costs are rising across the board. ERS came out and said that in 2023, they expect production expenses to be 4% higher this year. So that wasn't a surprise, but I, I think what really shocked me was the amount of growers that said, hey, with these higher interest rates and, you know, these higher costs, we're having to slow down some of our farm's transition strategies and transition planning just because the environment really isn't conducive to passing off the baton just yet. So, so that really shocked me. I kind of assumed that last year being such a profitable year for farmers, that maybe we would see more long-term debt get paid down. But actually, the majority of our growers, about 46%, said that they were going to use 2022 earnings to make advance payments on 2023 inputs. So I think we're really also starting to see um, 
more of that self-financing aspect be used by farmers across the country, um, especially as they combat higher interest rates. Right. I mean, if they take a little of their what's left from 22 to buy to 23. And there were some deals if you could book product early. I know that, which helps. But you're right. It changes Mm -hmm. the financial look across the board. Yeah, it really does. Um, I was also really surprised looking at the revenue side. Farmers just aren't selling their uh, their commodities quite as rapidly as they had this time last year. And especially they've slowed down on pricing new crop sales, too. That really surprised me because these prices are the prices that we're looking at for 2023 futures are really profitable right now. But I I think that also kind of reflects a really uncertain operating environment for a lot of these farmers. Well, partly they, well, it is a great price. I, I know some of the prices are good and you want to lock in. And we have had those conversations. Several of our speakers at Farm Future Summit discussed locking in some prices, uh, uh, some crop I think part of the concern is just what are things going to cost? And the other side of it is we're sitting on a drought still, Mm -hmm. and they're not sure what yields are going to be next year. And I've talked to farmers that – I talked to one farmer recently who said that he priced what he thought was 50% of his corn, and it turned out to be 80% of his corn So because his yield was so much lower in the drought. So I get that. We're, we're we're living in a really odd time with this lingering drought in the Midwest, too. Yeah, and I think that that dynamic really played into our acreage estimates in this survey. We saw higher winter wheat acres and higher wheat acres across the board, but you know we didn't quite see the expansion to corn and soybean acres that I think any other year we would have expected to see at these price levels. So I think that uncertainty, that that weather uncertainty is definitely having a pretty significant spillover effect. Yeah, we talked to Jennifer Keel last week on the podcast about a unique grain drying system. But at the end of the podcast, she talked about in Michigan, they planted 200,000 acres of winter wheat. Mm-hmm. And the year before they planted none or very little. Yeah, there were a lot of wheat acres that got planted last fall. Um, I think Chicago prices were 25% higher last October than they were the previous year. So there was definitely some good price incentive there for farmers. Well, and the other side of it is the input cost is a lot lower. Mm-hmm. You don't have yep. the fer- you don't have the fertilizer cost, and even the seed cost is different depending on how you raise wheat. So I think that people are looking for a lower input return because it's a get more guaranteed profit. And I think that we're going to see a lot of interesting sliding and dynamic. And I guess I should ask that question. We've been talking about the survey, but has the fight for acres begun yet? It has. And, you know, I think our survey showed that it is probably going to be a pretty tight fight between corn and soybean acres, but that this year corn and soybean acres are actually fighting for second place to wheat acres. And I think a big part of that, we had about 62% of our survey respondents who said that the higher input costs were going to significantly decrease their 
2023 profit margins compared to the year before. And, you know, we're still seeing high nitrogen prices relative to phosphate and potash prices. So, uh, you know, especially if you're on the fence about whether or not to grow corn acres this year, um, you're likely going to apply some some UAN. And those prices just haven't come down as rapidly as rapidly as the DAP, MAP, and potash prices. So, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden, because you apply less, especially for potash, you apply less potash for soybeans, that really kind of makes soybeans seem like a more viable profit opportunity for farmers if they haven't made their acreage decisions yet. Right. I know that wheat's part of this, but I don't see a lot of wheat acres in central Iowa. So it's going to be beans or corn. Right. And and yep, the, the exactly. wheat will come into those marginal acres. But I get I get it. Yep. I mean, some guys who are who may have been com- continuous corn for a couple or three or four years may decide this is the year to go to soybeans. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So when's the next survey? When are you looking at putting out another survey for farmers to fill out? Do you have a timing? Yes. So we will start our next survey at the beginning of March, and that will be our most comprehensive look at 2023 acreage intentions. And we'll release the results of those a week before USDA's March 31st perspective plantings report. Okay. So, and that's history for us. Farm Futures has been releasing that report a week before USDA for probably more than 15 years. So I think that this Mm -hmm. is exciting. So anybody listening to this, if you get the email for this survey and you farm, please take a few minutes and fill it out. It's valuable for us because there's going to be more than just acreage in the survey. There's going to be other questions that will help us guide content we'll do in Farm Futures and online to be relevant to your farm. So it's important to keep that in mind. And again, it's uh, all your responses are anonymous. It's good information and it helps drive us to make sure what we're producing in Farm Futures is uh, on track for uh, to match what your market and farm needs in terms of information for the future. It's not everything, but it does help a lot. (laughs) Yep. And I like to think that it's also a good check against USDA's data as well. We're about the only organization on the trading floor that does such a wide range, a wide reaching farmer survey. So it it's, I think it's really valuable to kind of see how those trends compare to where USDA's numbers ultimately shake out. Right. And as I was reminded by a previous editor in your position several years ago, we're the only media company that is widely quoted with this data. Everyone else who does provide some good information are market research firms. Uh, We're the only media company doing this kind of survey, and it's for farmers. Yep. For farmers, by farmers. Absolutely. Jackie, it's been good talking to you. Thanks for the insights on the Farm Futures survey and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Willie. Sure, there's a little self-serving promotion going on here for Around Farm Progress, but that survey is for farmers, as Jackie says. The information we share publicly from that data is an independent look at farmer intentions regarding planting, and the more that answer, the more accurate it can be. 
But there are also questions there that can guide our editorial approach for the future and help get farmers useful information they can deploy on their farms. What I'm saying is, if you receive the email survey, please spend some time sharing your information, which is kept anonymous and not shared outside our editorial team. And thanks to Jackie Holland for her hard work in compiling the information farmers provide to offer a glimpse at what's really happening on the farm. That March survey has a long history for Farm Futures. Be part of the conversation. This was an interesting topic we covered in this episode, and if you don't want to miss what we're talking about here at Around Farm Progress, simply subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs, and our events including Farm Progress Show, Husker Harvest Days, the Farm Futures Summit, and the New York Farm Show. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening. <music>